Welcome to the Sovereign Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Arzu Babri. In this community, we embark on a journey towards self-discovery in order to reclaim our sovereignty and live a life rich in connection, meaning, and purpose. Welcome back, friends, and happy spring. I hope that you are all healthy and well. I know I've been away from this podcast for longer than expected, but it's been a very busy few weeks for me in every aspect of life. But I'm very happy and excited to be back and sharing another episode with you, beautiful souls. So thank you for being here with me today, and I hope that you absolutely love today's topic. With that, in today's episode, we are talking all about the heart, which was one of the aspects of the self that I discussed briefly in my very first episode titled The Human Blueprint. And today I want to take a deeper dive into this beautiful aspect of self, which is very closely linked to our overall mental, emotional, and physical health. And if you guys are more curious about this topic, you can take a listen to episode six and seven on my channel as well, titled How to Make the Right Decision and intuition because I do tie it into a more practical approach in those episodes as well. So for today, we will do a very brief overview of the physiology of the heart, cover three different spiritual approaches to help understand the metaphysical energetic heart, discuss the signs and main contributing factors to why the heart may become closed, and finally discuss some steps you can take to help open up your heart space. And the reason why I'm diving deeper into this topic is because majority of the issues people face in their lives are a result of a closed heart due to unprocessed emotions and a lack of spiritual connection. Now, before we get into the exciting energetics of the heart, I want to do a really quick overview of the physiology of the heart, but I don't want you guys to worry too much about the terminology. I just thought that this information would be helpful in highlighting the importance of the heart as a physical organ as well. And if you want to skip this part and move right into the energetics, I will leave a timestamp in the show notes for you guys as well. So the human heart is made up of muscle fibers that are different compared to skeletal muscle. They are smaller and have a single nucleus per fiber. And cardiac muscle is composed of something known as intercalated discs that allows for force to be transferred and provides electrical connection. And the mitochondria of the heart occupy one third of the cell volume. And I'm sure you are all aware that the mitochondria are important generators of energy in the body. And the heart muscle cells actually contain the most amount of mitochondria within the body with about 5,000 mitochondria per cell because the heart plays such a significant role in the human body by supplying both blood and oxygen to every single organ, including the brain. Now the heart is composed of four chambers. There are the two atria and two ventricles. And what happens is blood from the body returns through uh, something known as the inferior and superior vena cava, which are just larger veins, into the right atrium, which get, then gets pushed through into the right ventricle and then pumped to the lungs through the pulmonary arteries, where the blood will become oxygenated and then travel back to the heart through the pulmonary veins into the left atrium then into the left ventricle, and then out to every tissue in the body through the aorta. Now, a really cool point to note here is that each valve that is within the different chambers of the heart closes in one direction and is only opened by the pressure of blood rushing in. So this ensures that oxygenated blood never mixes with deoxygenated blood. 
And since we're on this topic, for those of you who've always been interested, whenever you have your blood pressure measured, there are two numbers that are being taken into consideration, which are systole and diastole. And systole is when the ventricles contract to squeeze blood out. And diastole is when the ventricles relax to allow the heart to fill with blood. So if you're always wondering what those two numbers and terms meant, now you know. And just with that, you can see the beautiful rhythmic symphony that takes place in the heart without your conscious awareness of it. And what's even more special about the heart is that it can be felt throughout the entire body. And what I mean by this is that you can check your pulse near your temples, your neck, your arms, your wrist, your inner thigh, behind your knees, and by your ankles. So this is just a physiological representation of how the heart connects to everything in the body. And one of the major attributes of the energetic heart is connection. So with that, let's jump right into the spiritual and energetic significance of the heart. And to recap from episode one, I refer to the heart as the emotional self, but I'm going to elaborate on this point much further in today's episode. So the heart is the place of our intuition, emotions, and connection. Now, this is connection to everything, including your highest self, your connection to others, your connection to the entire universe, and of course, your connection to divine inspiration and wisdom. So the heart is often referred to as the seat of the soul because through your heart is where real spiritual progress takes place. Now, what I wanted to do for you guys today is to describe the function of the heart from three ancient Eastern traditions, including the chakra system of the Hindu Vedas, traditional Chinese medicine, and the mystical Sufi arts. This way you can see the relationship between all of these ancient practices, and you can then begin to approach this concept from whichever one resonates with you the most, but you will see patterns among all of them. Now, keep in mind, this is going to be a very condensed version of these traditions, but I've tried my best to highlight the key points among each of these various spiritual practices. So I will start off with the most commonly recognized of the traditions, which is the chakra system of the Hindu Vedas. Now, chakras are energy centers within the body, all of which have various attributes. And the heart chakra is the fourth chakra, which in Sanskrit is referred to as Anahata chakra, which translates into unstruck. And it is located in the center of the chest, often referred to as the heart center. The main functions and attributes of the heart chakra are love, relationships, connections, and self-acceptance. The purpose of the heart chakra is love and balance, and it sits central to all the other chakras as well. So there's three beneath it, referred to as the solar plexus, sacral and root chakras, and three above it, referred to as the throat, third eye, and crown chakras. The developmental age for the heart chakra is between four to seven years of age, and the core issues of the heart chakra that need to be worked through are open-heartedness, trust in relationships, a capacity for love, intimacy, compassion, and forgiveness. Now, the heart chakra becomes wounded through any type of grief or loss, betrayal, heartbreak, rejection, abandonment, shame, and conditional love. And the impact of these wounds are difficulty trusting, a guarded heart, self-sabotage in relationships, and a need to control others. Now, the heart chakra can be either in a deficient, excess, or balanced state, and the excess manifestation of the heart shows up as codependency, poor boundaries, possessiveness, and jealousy, while the deficient heart chakra manifests as shyness, loneliness, isolation, lack of empathy, criticism, bitterness, and narcissism. While a balanced heart chakra shows up as ease with the expression of compassion, love, self-love, empathy, peace, and altruism. 
Now, in traditional Chinese medicine, the heart is the emperor of the internal organs. It is often referred to as the root of life. And according to TCM, the heart's brilliance manifests in the face, which is interesting because if the heart is the seat of the soul, this is symbolic of being able to read someone's heart and soul on their face. In TCM, we often say that the heart stores the Shen, which translates into both the mind and the spirit, depending on the context in which it's being used. So in essence, the heart houses the mind and the spirit. Now, a quote to help elaborate on what the spirit represents in TCM from one of my TCM books goes as follows. Spirit depends on more than mind consciousness. Spirit is self-awareness that fosters the human experience of authenticity and personal meaning. Spirit allows self-reflection, art, morality, purpose, and values, and depends on self-relationship. So if the heart stores the Shen or the spirit, it is through the heart where you can tap into your own essence. And in TCM, the emotion of the heart is joy. And a normal state of joy is beneficial that favors a smooth functioning of the internal organs and mental faculties. Now, joy as a cause of disease in traditional Chinese medicine is one of excessive excitement and cravings, which can injure the heart. So this involves people who live in a state of continuous mental stimulation, even those that are pleasurable or excessive excitement. The season of the heart is summer and the element of the heart is fire. And there are five functions that are affected by the state of the heart in TCM, and that includes mental activity, including emotions, consciousness, memory, thinking, and sleep. So with that in mind, in TCM, the belief is that when the heart spirit is disturbed, the manifestation of that would be symptoms such as insomnia and situational anxiety. So a deficient heart from a TCM perspective will show up as symptoms such as a racing heart, shortness of breath, fatigue, dizziness, insomnia, poor memory, excessive dreams, anxiety, and being easily startled. So you can see with these symptoms how the mind and the heart are connected from that perspective. Now in the Sufi tradition, the spiritual heart is believed to contain a deep intelligence and wisdom, and it is a place of gnosis. So the heart occupies an important place in Sufism as it is considered to contain the divine spark that leads to spiritual realization. So the heart can be either pure or impure, and it can become impure when it inclines towards the worldly urges of the soul, which is referred to as nafs, and it can become pure when it is inclines towards the spirit's growth and ascension, which is referred to as ruh. So the heart becomes tainted by things such as anger, jealousy, competition, attachment to the material world, hate, and speaking poorly of others. And the process of purifying the heart takes place from removing all of these so-called toxins, followed by a deep dive into your own spiritual awareness and connection to your own divinity. So you can see these themes of connection echoing throughout all of these traditions. In Sufism, the heart is believed to possess five subtle centers known as the Latif, which are also referred to as the five senses of the of spiritual perception. So just like our five physical senses like touch, taste, smell, sight, and sound, there are five spiritual senses that are all connected to the heart, which are more like levels of spiritual development. So the first of these five subtle centers is what is referred to as qalb, which translates into heart, and it represents the knowledge which utilizes spiritual discernment and intuition to help us to perceive the transcendent realities. 
The second is Ruh, which represents spirit. And this is what pulls the heart towards its creator. And it contains a point of contact with the infinite dimension of spirit. The third is Seer, which is the secret. And it represents the secret or mystery hidden in the innermost center of consciousness. The fourth is Hafa, which translates into hidden, and it represents the soul's perfection. So this is the innermost secret or consciousness. And an interesting point is that in Sufi traditions, they believe that the, a baby's spirit enters through the Hafi, and when the spirit departs the body, it also leaves through this Hafi as well. The fifth and final uh, of the subtle senses is Ahfa, which translates into the most hidden and it represents annihilation which in physics is the conversion of matter into energy so this is the most hidden of the hidden and it's equivalent to the ultimate unseen so the spiritual heart just like the physical heart is the center of the human being and can be understood as being the center of our spiritual awareness so this faculty allows us to gain spiritual realization beyond our intellectual capacity so that was just an overview of three traditional approaches to this idea of a metaphysical or spiritual heart. And with that in mind, let's take into consideration some signs of a closed heart and how that can show up in our day-to-day -day lives. And these are in no particular order. So one way that a closed heart can show up is an inability to express your emotions. So if you find that you have a very difficult time expressing yourself emotionally or even crying for that matter, you're dealing with a wounded heart that has become closed due to uh, difficult experiences of the past. And another way that they could, this can show up is difficulty in relationships altogether. So you might find yourself either avoiding or procrastinating moving a relationship forward. And e even within relationships, you might find it difficult opening up, being vulnerable, uh, struggling with commitment issues, and then difficulty trusting others as well. Another way that a closed heart can show up is lack of empathy or compassion. So you may find that it's very difficult for you to relate to the pain of others or that you have simply cut yourself off from these feelings altogether. And this lack of empathy often leads to further feelings of disconnection or loneliness, because as I mentioned, the heart is your source of connection to everything in existence. So a closed heart is like a giant wall that doesn't allow anything in or out for that matter. Now, something that is both a contributing factor and a sign of a closed heart is holding on to past hurts or grudges, because what ends up happening in this situation is that you allow the wound to fester and become more like scar tissue, which result in the further hardening and closing up of the heart. And one of the most telltale signs of a closed heart or in some of the other traditions as we described de a deficient heart is a lack of self-love, which really speaks for itself because it all starts with self-love and the connection that you have to yourself that then extends into every other relationship in your life. And the final sign of a closed heart is a lack of spiritual connection because in Sufism in particular, they refer to it as a blinded heart because you can still see with your physical eyes, but if you are disconnected from your creator or the divine, you are said to have a blind heart. Now with that in mind, let's discuss the top contributing factor to the closing of the heart, which is loss. Now this can be any type of loss, whether it's a loss of your sense of self, your spirituality, a partner, or even a loved one. It's this separation and sense of disconnection that ends up damaging the energetic heart. And if we were to trace this loss back far enough, for majority of us, it starts off in childhood. 
And this may look like an absent parent figure, whether that's physically or emotionally, a loss of a sibling, friend, grandparent, or someone significant enough whereby their absence created a wound on your emotional heart that you were unable to explain or rationalize as a child. So in adult life, you begin to search for other relationships that help remedy that wound and every loss, rejection, or abandonment in a romantic relationship reopens that wound. And because you don't know where it's all coming from or how to address it, you end up building barricades around your heart as a means of personal protection. But the issue with any sort of barrier is that not only does it not allow anything in, but it also doesn't allow the original pain to be released either. So it just aches and you feel helpless and without a remedy. Now, something really important to point out here is that what often happens in relationships is that most people mistake attachment for love. And when a relationship that was never meant to be falls apart, you blame love and you close your heart. So when you're actually faced with a real loving connection later on in your life, you're also faced with a major internal battle because you have a very difficult time trusting your feelings. You don't trust the connection that you're experiencing, and you definitely don't trust the other person that's involved. And as a result, you end up robbing yourself of a very beautiful experience and a new chance at real love because your heart hasn't recovered from the original injury. And this happens because what you experienced was very real and the resurfacing of the pain is showing you that the original wound was never healed. And to show the realness of this pain, there was a brain imaging study done that showed that the same parts of the brain that are activated during physical pain are activated during social rejection. While another study showed that the stress due to conflict in a relationship leads to increased inflammation in the body, suggesting that both physically and psychologically, we experience social connection as positive and rejection or loneliness as negative. Now, some of you might think that closing your heart makes perfect sense because it ensures that you don't feel the same pain all over again. But what happens is the more that you close your heart, the more numb and empty you will feel because you aren't allowing anything in at all, not even the pleasurable experiences as well, because everything is always tainted by the shadow of the potential loss that can follow it. So you aren't allowing your heart to feel the full extent of its ability, which if you did allow your heart to fully heal and open up, it becomes one of the most beautiful experiences in life because you get to feel the depth and richness of every single experience. And with that, let's move into the final component of today's episode, which are ways to help open up the heart. The first of these steps is unpacking grief. So you need to become comfortable with understanding the root cause of your pain. And this can happen through working with someone that you trust or a professional. And what you begin to do is layer by layer, you unravel the root of the pain and you begin to understand why the loss impacted you the way that it did. Now, this requires a lot of honesty with yourself and digging into core wounds and beliefs around love and relationships. So it's not an easy job, but it's definitely worth it in setting yourself free from the unnecessary restraints you have built around your heart. And another very important step in unpacking grief is reclaiming the part of yourself that was attached to what you lost in the first place. Another way that you can begin to open up your heart is by reframing loss. And for this point, I'm more specifically referring to more negative and toxic connections and relationships, because when you first experience loss in those settings, you're in so much pain that you may think that you lost out on something really great. But if you were to analyze the situation carefully and consider the dynamic that you were involved in fully, 
without sugarcoating it, you will begin to realize that losing someone who had either betrayed your trust or disrespected you or was inconsistent and didn't understand you and was careless with your heart really wasn't a loss at all. It was actually a win. And through divine intervention, you were taken out of a dynamic that prevented you from becoming the highest version of yourself by keeping you in a state of always questioning your worth and value. So you have to begin to understand that sometimes we aren't grieving the loss of a person. And in fact, the relationships that we are dealing with in life are very closely linked to our deepest needs and wounds. So separation from another feels like a devastating thing because it's actually the loss of the idea that you had in your mind and the pain of having to face your fears and the idea that somehow you weren't enough. But the loss would have been so much more significant if you had remained in that dynamic and you ended up losing yourself in the end. Now, the third point um, you have probably heard me discuss in previous episodes, but in order to allow your heart to fully open and expand without reservation is to not internalize external behavior. Now, most people end up closing their heart because they have internalized someone else's behavior towards them as a reflection of their worth. And I've heard so many people say things such as, oh, a person who wanted to be with you would have moved mountains. Now, what we have to realize here is that when you are in a relationship that's truly meant to be, There will be an equal reciprocity and overcoming of obstacles together that can take place. But unfortunately, we can't apply the same logic to every single dynamic because some people feel fully enslaved to their past hurts. And it has nothing to do with wanting to be with someone, but more so to do with courage. Because maybe the mountains that the other person needs to move are years of negative beliefs about not being good enough or worthy of what they desire. So once someone else's journey is their story and their inability to move forward within a dynamic has nothing to do with your ability to love and be loved. So we need to begin to understand that we live in a very wounded world and someone else's intentions might be good, but they simply lack their emotional resilience to step up and claim what they want in life. And that is not our responsibility to force healing on anyone. Um, Everyone grows at the rate that they are comfortable in and learn their lessons in their own time. The fourth way in which you can begin to open your heart is through forgiveness. This is an obvious one for many, but forgiveness is the key to healing any wound. But in particular, because it's an attribute of the heart, it is extremely important for you to heal your heart through forgiveness, which will further expand into compassion and understanding. Now, forgiveness doesn't mean invite the person who hurt you back into your life. It means forgive them for the role that they played in your life. And if you feel resilient enough, Thank them for allowing you to understand yourself better by mirroring back to you the parts of you that are still bleeding for love and attention. The fifth and most relevant step in helping to open up the heart is through love because the medicine of the heart is love, which starts with self-acceptance and flows into the acceptance of others and eventually universal love. So if you love yourself, it doesn't really matter who doesn't love you back because your cup is full enough to begin with and anyone else that comes into your life and loves you back as a bonus. So you are transforming your relationship with love from lack into wholeness. Now, a really important point about love is that when most people think of the expression of love, they think of giving something to someone else. But it's also important to note that for a perfect state of balance in the heart, we need an equal exchange of give and take. 
So one of the key elements of an open heart is actually your ability to receive love as well. And how you can begin to implement this into your day-to-day life is through our sixth and final point on how to open up the heart, and that is through spiritual practices. Now, the first four steps that we discussed were ways to help unroot the wounding of the heart, but really what maintains and fuels the heart is by giving it the food that it needs, which is love. And a really beautiful spiritual practice that you can implement into your life is charity because it really helps to open up your heart space because it nurtures the aspect of connection, which is so crucial for the heart. Another practice that you can implement into your day-to-day life is the use of positive affirmation. So you can do this by placing your hands on your heart and saying something as simple as, I trust in my ability to give and receive love. And you can further cultivate your own internal sense of self-love and connection through other spiritual practices such as meditation, breath work, and journaling, all of which help to establish that heart-mind-body connection. Another way to bring in a a sense of connection to your heart is by surrounding yourself with reminders of love, whether that involves establishing a routine or ritual, listening to uplifting sounds, immersing yourself in nature, or simply making your home a reflection of how you wish to feel. Now, I very much live in my senses, and so I'm always inviting love and beauty into my home by filling it with flowers and candles and soaps and soft textures and colors and items that are very symbolic to me, whether that's something that I have handmade myself or something that connects me back to my heart and soul. And the final spiritual practice that helps to open up the heart is prayer. Because the highest level of love that you can establish is divine love. And you do this by connecting to divinity, which often takes place through prayers and ritual. And every spiritual teaching and religion has various ways of doing this, which include the use of mantras in Hinduism and Buddhism, the use of dhikr in the Sufi traditions, and the use of rosary beads in Christianity, which are all forms of devotion that involve rhythmic repetition. So all in all, there are many different shifts that you can make in your life starting today to help reopen and purify your heart space. And all of these things help you to connect to the highest version of yourself. And through that, you begin to connect better in relationships and to live a more rich and meaningful life. So don't be afraid of healing your heart because sometimes the pain that you experience is not that of your heart breaking apart, but more so it breaking free from the restraints that you have placed on it for years. And with that, let's move right into this week's episode prompts. Prompt number one is looking back onto my life, what situation or situations have contributed to the closing of my heart? Prompt number two. Who or what can I begin to forgive or release in order to heal my heart? And prompt number three, what is one active step I can take today to help open up my heart space? All right, friends, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Sovereign Soul Podcast. I hope that you thoroughly enjoyed this week's topic. I know there was a lot of information jam-packed in today's episode, but I'm sure that you can come back and re-listen to certain parts that you really resonated with. And like always, feel free to share this with a friend that you think might benefit from it. And so we can all begin to move towards living a full and rich life with a fully expanded and open heart. All right, until next time, enjoy the rest of your week and I will connect with you guys in a future episode.